Support for Innovation Hub comes from Cambridge Savings Bank. Introducing the CSB1 package, a checking account combined with investing through Connect Invest to help you build a better tomorrow. cambridgesavings.com/csb1. Welcome to Innovation Hub. I'm Kara Miller. Sometimes you read an article or you watch something on the news and you start to realize that what you initially thought the story was about, that's actually not the real issue. So the story I'm about to tell you is kind of a story about new technology, but it's really a story of economics and time, lots of wasted time. In cities today, the average speed traveled is eight miles an hour. Robin Chase has spent a good chunk of her life thinking about how cars have changed us and how we should change them. Almost two decades ago, she co-founded a company called Zipcar, which allowed people to share cars, mostly in urban areas and on college campuses. It caught on quickly, and it was ultimately bought by the car rental giant Avis. Now, she says, a huge issue that very few of us are paying attention to is self-driving cars. Not the fact that they're coming, which they are, and a bunch of cities, they've already arrived and they're going to be on the market in the next few years. What we're not paying attention to is that they've got the potential to change cities in a really big way. So if we think about cars today, they have a driver in them. And that driver, whether it's me personally or a paid driver, is a considerable expense to what I choose to do. When you take out that driver, we have lost a huge expense that has now constrained me from using the car for all sorts of things. So, for example, for me personally, to run an autonomous vehicle... It probably costs $1.50 to $2 an hour if it's electric. And so think about parking in downtown Boston. Would you even pay for a parking meter or just have your car circle the block? Would you ever, ever pay for a $20 parking space? Never. And that would be a disaster. We would have zombie cars on the street all the time. And sadly, there's more. So think about retail. And if you don't have to pay a driver, imagine... Here's my new nightmare. Imagine Amazon Prime, and instead of having their warehouse out in some suburb someplace, the warehouse will be on wheels and on the street. And so, yeah, you can have your delivery in 15 minutes because they will be warehousing all their goods on our streets. Robin Chase has made it her mission to avoid this scenario, to talk to mayors, to governors, to anyone who will listen about what is literally coming down the road. And she says there is good that could come from self-driving cars, as long as we don't stand back and let the dominoes fall. One thing that's in that ray of hope category is that companies at the forefront of making these newfangled things seem to be trying to ease us into the future. So when we talk to when Ford or Tesla or Uber or Google discuss autonomous vehicles, they are all saying that the first ones will be sold as fleet vehicles where you can buy a seat in a car. So it'll be like a mini bus, a four-person bus or a five-person bus. That's how it's going to roll out. So if we have for five years in cities the opportunity to use these cars as buying a seat or buying a whole vehicle for your trip, we will all adapt to and think, man, that is like fantastic. Why would I ever own my own car? We will start imagining and living that new world. And just what's really incredible is the OECD has done this incredible study using real origin and destinations and number of passengers and time of day for the city of Lisbon with autonomous vehicles. And they've said that if we shared trips in shared cars, we would only need 10% of the cars on the roads today. Imagine if we carried this through to its end point, 
there would be no on-street parking. There would be no parking garages. And if you think of dense cities, we could have those wide sidewalks. We could have really safe bike lanes. We could have trees. We could have sandboxes. I mean, whatever, whatever we want and pull back the domination of cars in cities and get all the transportation that we want. So we wouldn't be sacrificing anything. We'd only be gaining something. Here's my problem, though, with buying a seat in a car versus buying a car. And you can tell me why this is maybe doesn't make sense. If you and I both buy a seat in a car and a couple other people too, and we all say, here's the thing. We are going to leave our homes like around 8.15. We kind of need to be into work by 9. I generally leave somewhere between 4.30 and 5.30. And you can imagine everybody wants their cars at the same time and they want them when they want them like they don't if they want to leave at 4:30 that day they don't want to wait till 5:15 for some car to come pick them up um i'm glad you brought that up this study was with existing times. No one was waiting. People were waiting a maximum of three minutes in this study. And but so how would you deal with that? And with that still only needs 10% of the cars. So right now in the San Francisco Bay Area, there was a study done. So peak time, only 10% of the cars that are registered are in motion. Really? Like yeah. 845? Yep. 830? Yep. Really? Yep. Can you imagine when we get into this world of self-driving cars where... Traffic could be potentially terrible, as you say, if we all have our own self-driving cars and they're just sort of idling during the day. Can you imagine Americans really making the choice to say, no, I'm going to share, you know, I'm not going to have the convenience of having a car where I can just put the kids, you know, soccer cleats in the back and yeah, I mean, just you know think, how just things think. are, so like I, listening to whatever I want on the radio and singing out loud to it. You know, like, you know what cars what are. What I love about this conversation is... If anyone were the right person to make this argument, I am. So when I did Zipcar, you know, everyone said, oh, no, Americans love their cars. You know, their status is caught up in their cars. They have to have their own cars. And right now, a million people are sharing 13,000 Zipcars in cities across the world. So one million people decided, wow, this is way better for me, and I'm going to take my clubs into the car. If we think about children, the piece I want to point out to you, I, I have three kids and who are now grown, but women in particular are slaves and chauffeurs of their children. And you will recognize that. And I was, certainly. And with self-driving cars, I would be freed of that. So there probably will be the kids going to soccer minivan. And yeah, your kid's older than the age of, I don't know what age, nine, ten, and they're going to go pick up the kids. They're going to all go and they're all going to pour out of the van and it's going to say, beep, 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 someone left their heavy cleats in this van. And then they're going to get their cleats by themselves out of the van. And so I see it as a incredible tool of freedom. Like, man, I don't have to be the one to go do that rock climbing gym practice out on 128. I don't have to do that anymore. She can go by herself. So you're going to have, I just want to visualize this, you're going to have a minivan, which a bunch of nine-year-olds. Well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it's really <laughs> interesting. No, it's really interesting to decide. Practice. So I was thinking about this. I was thinking, so what is the age at which legally we would say you can put an, someone unattended in? And right. it's an interesting thing. And so we think, I was thinking, is it 12? Is it 11? I don't know. It's an interesting, interesting thing. But I'm sure there is an age, and it'll be less than 16. And so there'll be a huge delta in there in which, yeah, I'm not having to drive my kid around. You know, um, we talk about this, like it's some sort of vision of the future. But in some ways, there are countries where uh, some version of 
not having to drive your own car to work has already happened. I, I, I mean, I've talked to people in India who have drivers who said that anybody who can possibly afford a driver, and it, it's not, uh, it's a, you know, a, a relatively lower cost there, does. Um, they work while they're in the car, right? The, you know, this idea of like getting your work done while you're in a car. Um, and the traffic is a disaster. I mean, it takes forever to get to work. The upside is you're already working on your presentation while you're in the car, but you're stuck in that car for a long time. And then I guess while you're at work, the driver, I don't know. I, I don't think they could be a driver for too many other people because if everybody's going to work in the morning. But So I think that's a beautiful example. And that's to my dystopian view that in those countries, labor is incredibly cheap. And so it's effectively a self-driving car because you're paying that person $4 a day or $5 a day to be your driver. And so we do see exactly what you described. So we have two different things that we can bring to this future. One is, and it's starting to happen in India, um, one is that with apps, people are, there are some companies that have started that are doing shared drivers, right? They are doing that today. And so we have this, we can apply technology to it and if we come back to the changed economics once you take out the driver, I think we really have to rethink how we tax. What are the user fees for roads? And we have the gas tax today, which is inadequate and hasn't been changed in like 19 years. Um, and as our cars get more fuel efficient already, that's inadequate. So if we have electric AVs, which is likely to happen, so I should, yeah, so electric autonomous vehicles, those cars will not be paying for, they won't be paying for highway maintenance. They won't be paying for bridge repair. They won't be getting speeding tickets. They won't be paying for parking garages. So all the ways, not all the ways, 60% of the money, I'm making up a number, you know, something between 60 and 80% of the user fees we apply to transportation to pay for road and bridge repair will disappear and evaporate. So we do have to think up a new system. And while we think of a new system, Let's correct all the things that we know are already broken right now. We already know congestion is a ridiculous thing that we need to be incentivizing people. Please don't everyone leave at 8.02, even though you know what the traffic's going to look like. Yes, you should think about ride sharing. Right now, 75% um, of all trips in the U.S. is one person in their big car. And that's why we have congestion. It's not that we don't have enough roads. We have plenty of roads. What we have is people driving around in big monster cars by themselves. So if we applied technology, we can that congestion can evaporate. And we need, as I say, we need to rethink how we charge people to use roads. It seems like in some ways we've been mostly talking about the... the applications of technology seem like they're mostly reliant on a pretty dense environment. But but if you look at a lot of cities where things it's very expensive to live, people who are middle income or lower income very often have been pushed to the outer suburbs, are making very long trips in every day in their cars. They don't really live that close to anybody. They certainly don't live very close to a rail line or a subway. I mean, that's just not an alternative for them. They might live down a very long driveway. I mean, these are not people who are living right next to other people. Um, what do you do? That just does I not think, seem like an easy solution. I think this will really help with that solution. So right now, if we think about People, this being people uh, like autonomous vehicles, part of an autonomous, autonomous vehicle. vehicles, I think, are going to really, really help um, 
suburban and rural transportation, and particularly, I would say, in addition, and in addition, the rural poor. So right now, the suburban and rural poor who can't afford a car are spending an hour and a half and, you know, three changes and the bus only comes every 20 minutes. And if you miss it, well, then you're screwed and then it's two and a half hours and then you lose your job or you can't pick up your kid from daycare. It is, that is nightmarish. This will completely transform those lives. What's been interesting about this driving piece is with autonomous vehicles, if we have small enough ones, like four to six people, even if you live in a rural place, imagine that if you drive yourself and you're stuck, you're doing your traffic, so your normal commute is 45 minutes, right? Imagine if it's 50 minutes and you're going to pick up two other people and you're now online, that you don't have to pay attention. I think, I think people will choose that and they will do that and I think we can give them that. So I, th- I think it will play out. If we go back to what um, Elon Musk or Mark Fields of Ford are thinking, um, another alternative of this vision is that when the price comes down and now say, let's go out 10 years, not in five, not in three, not in five, but in 10 years, the price has come down. What I think will happen is some people will choose to own their own autonomous vehicle and they will rent it out to other people when they're not using it. So right it's now, like the Airbnb of it is. autonomous so, vehicles. Right. So right now, um, you use your own personal car for five percent of the time. It's idle ninety-five percent of the time, and as I said, it's the second most expensive thing you buy. So instead of people having a two-car household, they'll have a one-car household, and they will rent their neighbor's or near autonomous vehicle for that second car. Are people who run cities who make rules about transportation and, you know, what people can own and how much it costs for them to do that and penalties for, you know, using things the wrong way. Are people uh, thinking about the potential kind of nightmare of having your autonomous vehicle circle the block and wait for you to come out of your out of the hair salon? No. So this is really what I'm doing these days is if we think of this two, this future that I that I painted, I want to call one internal combustion engine personally owned cars will now turn into maybe electric, maybe not autonomous vehicles. So we just make a switch out. And I think in reality, that's what you and that's what most people are thinking about when they think of autonomous vehicles is that, yep, I just replaced my own car. And then I think at some point down the line, instead of the car I have, which is not autonomous, I drive it, it will be an autonomous car. And won't that be great? And so that's the vision that we all think of, because that's the most straightforward one. And what I'm trying to paint is this alternative vision that I want to call faves, wait for it, fleets of autonomous vehicles that are electric and shared. And if we can sample and sample that future when these vehicles come out, which I think we will, and if we can understand and start understanding the economics and that, yeah, it's true, I really do push the button on my app and it really does come in a minute and a half and it really doesn't take any time and I really do get, I will think, why in heck would I ever own my own car if you're living in the metro area? So... This idea, we have this choice of AVs versus faves, and it is true, what you said to me, is that really no one has thought this through. And so I feel like um, what I'm doing today is I am talking to mayors in the pioneering cities, the people that are helping them, and trying to get some communities as an individuals through community NGOs to start painting that possible picture for people so people who live in cities and these metro areas are saying, yeah, I want that other choice. I want that other choice because I want to spend $4,000 a year on transportation instead of 9000 And I want to have sidewalks and bike paths and trees. I want to have affordable 
housing in the place where that parking lot was, or I want to have green space, or I want to have a hospital. I don't know what you want. But that we can really have an opportunity to have a do-over of our cities, that our cities have now been completely structured around the car. And if we only need 10% of them, imagine what we could do with that space. But we have to put that vision People have to understand that as a possibility and then fight for that possibility. Robin Chase is the co-founder of Zipcar and Venium. She's also the author of Peers, Inc. Thank you so much for being here. It's my pleasure. Robin Chase has written about both her fears and her hopes when it comes to how self-driving cars are going to affect us. You can find her back-channel essay at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash innovationhubradio. From PRI and WGBH Radio, I'm Kara Miller, and this is Innovation Hub.